You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. Have you ever thought to yourself, I want everything to work. It should work all the time. Why doesn't it work all the time? Well, today, we bring in an awesome friend of mine and a great mentor, Dr. Jim Otten. And he shares that everything works until it doesn't and how to think better as a dentist to enjoy a career in dentistry. So please listen up. I hope you guys enjoy it and we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know what I get to do? I say this all the time. I get to hang out with really cool people who are great teachers, great mentors, great friends of mine, and they get to share their wisdom so that we pass it along to you to create a better practice and a better life. I always dreamed of a day where I'd get to do CE for a living. I'm not there yet. But if I could, I would have one of these guys on all the time. His name is Dr. Jim Otten, who's been a dear friend of mine for years and years and years and years and years. Decades. And, <laughs> and decades. And he is also one of the critical people uh, that leads uh, global diagnosis education, which we're going to talk about later. And today we're going to be talking about everything works until it doesn't. Have you ever experienced that? Well, we're going to go into the mind of a master. He's going to explain that. So, Jim, thanks for being on, brother. I really appreciate you. Oh gosh, man. Yeah, we go back so many years when you were when we were both kind of neophytes in this in this profession, and it's just so so it's just so cool to see the growth and development and the different chapters and how they unfold. And it was funny we had an audio problem earlier, and I thought, well, everything does work until it doesn't. Does isn't that correct? <laughs> so true. So true. And it's a great, it was a great metaphor to start the conversation, but thanks so much for having me. This is, this is a great honor and, and uh, it's so much fun to be with you always. Hey, well, I really, I, I enjoy this. And if you're listening, you guys will see Jim is a man that has seen a lot and he's got some incredible wisdom. And I want to start here too, Jim, because we got a, a lot of young listeners now. We're actually, we have quite a few dental students listening now. And so um, if, if I don't know who Jim Otten is, give us a little bio. Who are you? Well, in the, in the, de I, I, well, first I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a major contrarian. Okay. So that's the first thing I have to tell you. 
is that I've always been I've always been the outlier. I've always been the one asking the questions. Even in dental school, I got in trouble all the time. Well, well, how exactly does that work? You know, and, and they just go, oh, oh, just be quiet and and, and do the work, and you'll, and you'll get your degree. And so that, but that's been the way it's been all my life. And and my curiosity got me in a lot of trouble when I was young, but I turned it into something positive when I got older. So that's that's the first thing you need to know about me. Um, in the dental profession, it took me about five years to figure out I didn't know what I was doing. That that I knew enough coming out of dental school, I, I learned not to be dangerous, and that was about it. And so after about five years, I started thinking, well, why do some of these things work and why do they not work? You know, I'm doing the same kind of treatment, the same patients, and some of them are having good outcomes and some of them not so good outcomes. And I go, there's got to be more to this than just cutting preps and putting, putting the ceramics on or doing the restorations or adding resins and back then even doing amalgams. Because some of it did well and some of it didn't and doing it the same way. So I started asking those questions. That led me into a, into a curiosity about more of the medical and diagnostic side of dentistry, which led me into facial pain, TM joint therapy, occlusion. Occlusion was always a mystery to me, and I had some great mentors along the way, even in dental school, that kind of cute, you know, clued me in to the fact that there was more to it than just, you know, custody and foster relationships. And then I, you know, met Pete Dawson along the way and, and Mark Piper very early studied with them, did all their curriculum. Jim McKee and I did that together. So we, we, we go back together. We were brothers throughout that whole experience. It was awesome. And so you know, when, when I met Dr. Dawson, I started to realize, well, I can think again as a dentist. I, can, I don't have to just do because I was just doing and not getting much fulfillment. So I went on to become, um, uh, uh, went on to finish the curriculum at Dawson, went to the Piper Institute, got to be good Luckily, had both of those people as mentors, Pete and and Mark, and that was just a blessing. Um, and I always tell people, look, you know, you're not going to have those mentors unless you put yourself out there and have those mentors. Um, you're dealt a good hand by being in their presence, but you got to play the hand. So I was asking Pete all the time. I was asking for advice. I was I was writing him notes and getting him, you know, and, and asking him questions, calling him up sometimes. And and after a while, he he he, he was a great teacher and he's a great mentor. So you, you put yourself out there so that you can be in contact with that because it's a really, when you look back at it, it's a blessing to be in their presence. And you shouldn't waste that opportunity. Don't just sit in the back of the room, be active. That, that you know, led to um, so the uh, journey through the Pankey Institute where I became um, a faculty member. I was a lead faculty member. I was curriculum development. I was a curriculum development coordinator. I was a provost. I was on the board. So a lot of, lot of uh, very uh, active um, uh, participation at the Pankey Institute and really was, uh, again, a wonderful experience with Dr. Erwin Becker as one of my mentors. You know, I was just lucky. Jim Kincaid, Mike McDivitt, all these people who were just really caring, wonderful teachers sort of fed into me. So that's what I'm doing now. I tried, I tried to put things in play, tried to you know, realize I was always dealt a good hand, but I had to play it. And then, um, and then you know, look back on, on some of the wonderful mentors I've had and still have and trying to pass that on. So yeah. in a nutshell, and not, not in a very small nutshell, that's it. Yeah. And you built a wonderful practice, incredible practice in Lawrence, Kansas, home of the KU Jayhawks. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a wonderful experience. I'm at the end of the practice uh, career now, which is interesting in itself. But, you know, 42 years is 
pretty much long enough to do anything, right? right. And, and, and you, you realize that uh, you have other ways to give back. And that's kind of what we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, been very, very fortunate, built a great practice, a great restorative practice. And now I've been able to transition it to someone who's got, is very like-minded, who's going to take it to even a better level, already has. And that's just, that's just a marvelous thing. I love it. I love it. And so today we're going to be talking about everything works until it doesn't. That's it. First, explain that. <laughs> and then let's talk about why that's important to the journey of any dentist. Well, it, it's important because we come out of dental school with a perfectionist mindset, you know, and it's, and it's perpetuated in our profession by a lot of different things, right? It's, it's perpetuated by uh, a lot of myths that if you, if you build this, this facility, they will come to you and you'll be successful. If you use this technique, uh, you'll be successful. If you follow this protocol, if you go to this course, if you do this curriculum, you'll be successful. And everything works to some degree, but it, but it doesn't at, at, at some point as well. And so what, what your mindset has to be is not in this perfectionism, like it's going to be the outcomes be exactly the way you think it's going to be, but what do you learn along the way? How do you learn? Like Jack Nichols used to say when he played a whole round of golf in a competition, you know, the three or four days they play, he only hit two shots pretty much the way he wanted. He missed everything well. And so our job is really to miss it well and realize that it doesn't matter, you know, what you use, how, who you follow, what material, what clinician, what, uh, what protocol you use. You're still dealing with people who have you know, a certain amount of their own particular uh, disease resistance and host response, and they're all going to be different. You can't right. take responsibility for that. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to help them decline at the lowest rate possible. And that right. means that they're going to decline. It's going to fail. So I've always been, I've always approached things, number one, with a healthy degree of skepticism, right? And, you know, the idea that um, you could rely on a material or a facility or any number of things to be successful by itself is, is, is mythical. I mean, I remember, I remember when Dr. Dawson, for example, when we were studying inclusion, he'd say, if you could comfortably load test any patient, you could successfully equilibrate them. So I did. And sometimes it worked. And sometimes it didn't. It's because we didn't really know enough about the internal uh, derangement. We didn't have the imaging available to us to understand more about the architecture of the joint, what was happening up there. Load testing was not as, as, as uh, uh, reliable a diagnostic quality as we thought. Now, it's a piece that's important, right? It's all pieces that fit together. Um, if you want to be a fee-for-service dentistry, all you have to do is have that mindset. That's another myth. No, you've got to offer something of extraordinary value. Right. Set yourself apart. You can't do that. Um, if you finish all your cases in centric relation, they'll be, they'll be successful. Another myth. No, we don't even know hardly what's happened to define centric relation, much less finish, our, finish our, all of our cases there. Some you shouldn't and some you should, but you have to learn how to differentiate that. So I would say, you know, with that healthy degree of skepticism, you should think about it this way. Be a student, not an acolyte. Okay. No one has the right, all the right answers. Everyone has a, a bit of information to help you move forward. And 
don't jump on every bandwagon because there's too damn many bandwagons to jump on. Right. <laughs> and you might find that you're on the wrong one. Right. Way too late down the road. Right. Yeah, I think, and part of that skepticism is just asking questions. At the end of the day, everything you do has got to be a product of your own conclusions. And then uh, I remember Rich Green said one time to me, and I didn't get it. He's like, don't be, what did he say? Don't be margin or don't, what was, don't be margin. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? He's like, it's an imitation. He said, you want to be you. So when you're down here absorbing all that, just you're the the greatest gift you can give yourself is take it all in, ask really good questions and go back and be an authentic version, which I mean, I don't know anything about butter or margin, but I, I'm older now and I understand what he was trying to tell me. I'm not the best student ever. It takes a couple tries, but uh, you're exactly right. There's a German philosopher, I can't remember who it was, that talked about uh, he, thought, he told the story of a painter, an art, artistic painter, and this 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 uh, apprentice painter wanted to become a great painter. So he tried to copy the great painters. He tried to copy what Picasso did, and he he bought all all the all the brushes, all the tools, all the canvas, all the art supplies. He, he copied uh, his studio. He copied his environment. He copied everything about that, but he forgot to paint. You know, you've got to paint. And so, you know, it's the same, it's the same in dentistry. You know, if you're trying to copy someone else um, and it, you can, you can emulate characteristics and philosophies that you think can, that work for you. But if you're trying to copy someone else, you'll never find the right mix of things to, to unleash your creativity and your potential. You got to be you, you know, just be you and do what you think is best for you. I was uh, think you know there was a I can't remember who the writer was um, I can't remember his name he wrote the legend of oh, oh Stephen Presser he wrote the the, the, the legend of Banger of uh, Bagger Vance the sort of the golf the golf uh, caddy um, and he said he was talking about you know trying to find his own way and he said you know I I had to make a decision about what I wanted to write he said did I want to write what I wanted to write or did I want to write all the crap that sells? And he said, it's a difficult choice. And, and it related to dentistry a lot too. Do you want to do the dentistry that you want to do? Right. Or do you want to do the crap that sells? You know, the, the stuff that that's easy to market, easy to do, um, you know, generates income. And it's the same thing with writers. You know, sometimes they, the best written books are not the ones that sell, the ones that sell are maybe not the best written book. It's not the one you want to do, but you still have to have some income. And so you think about that in terms of dentistry. If you decide, for example, that you want to differentiate yourself and you want to, you want to specialize, you want to become fee-for-service, you want to really build enormous value for your clients, you still, have to, you still have to feed the animal, right? You still have to feed the bulldog. You still have to feed the practice. So how do you do that? Well, he talked about it in writing the book that you want and writing the book that sells and just trying to, if you think about it in two concentric circles that overlap, it's, it's the part in the middle. How do you, how can you find that area right in the middle where those things overlap? And it's the same in dentistry. Can you, can you have that overlap somewhere where you create value for what you want to do, but it still has, it still has the capacity to help your, your practice move forward. Yeah. And one of the things that you, you know, b- before we had a chance to hit the go button, 
and helping me understand this, which is awesome, is not only with that skepticism and not shooting for perfect, be more focused on the outcomes, you know? So can you explain that? What, what does that mean? Right, right. So if we, if we in our clinical practice don't allow, first of all, I think you have to really allow yourself time to think. You know, you know as you get older and uh, more, let's just say you're, you're more vintage, you know, you're, you're older vintage of yourself. You get to look back on things and you say, well, what, what worked well and what didn't work so well? I mean, Bill talks about this all the time. He says, you know, people give you more, they give you more latitude and you get to be more, you get to be more, more uh, skeptical. I said, and I tell him, I said, that's wrong. I've been skeptical all my life. You know, that's, that's our difference. I mean, you waited too long. You're in academics, but, um, but yeah, you, you, uh, you really want to have the, the mindset of giving yourself enough space in your, in your work time to pay attention to the outcomes that you're getting. Why does this work? Because if you're the type of dentist that's looking at just the means to get somewhere, uh, then you, you're going to miss the real essence and the real value in helping your patient move forward. Let's, let's, let's take the example of worn anterior teeth. There are a number of pundits out there that in the tooth model, um, more uh, commodity type model of dentistry will say, oh, if you've got worn anterior teeth, you can just add composite to these and, and make them look better and, and you know, charge X amount per, per tooth and it could generate a hundred and something thousand dollars a year for you just by, by patching up these anterior teeth. The first question you should ask yourself when you've got worn anterior teeth is, why in the hell are, worn, are the anterior teeth worn? And we had all kinds of philosophies about this, right? Right. So if, if you pay attention to outcomes, you're going to realize, well, you know, it used to be when I added to those things, they just break them off again. You know, okay, so let's not do that again, maybe. <laughs> right. Flat forehead syndrome, right? Oh, what the hell, right? Let's not do that again. Um, and try to figure out, well, why is this happening? Well, then the, then the explanation goes to, well, they're in the way of their bite. Right. They're in this pathway. And on all deference to some of the great minds in dentistry, I I thought that too. Well, people don't sit there and bang their teeth together so much as they wear them down to nothing. No, they're they're grinding on. They're really putting effort into them. You guys think that, you know, this enamel is, is somewhere on the on the hardness scale between steel and titanium. You don't wear that stuff out. It's like rubbing two slabs of glass together. You know, you don't wear that down until it's millions and millions of repetitions. So why are they doing it? You got to figure that out first, because if you don't, and you're just looking at the teeth, you're going to miss the fact that they may have a significant occlusal issue. They probably have a significant airway issue, and you don't know what you don't know how to sort that. If you don't know how to sort that out, you're not helping them. You're just you're just pushing the the problem down the road, and maybe even making it worse. So pay attention to your outcomes. Why does it work in some people? Why why does it not? Because everything, everything eventually fails. That's the other mindset right. you have to have. It all fails at some point. I remember I was coming out of Dell Scar, you know, my my goal is to is to do my crown and bridge so well that in my entire practice career, people will never have to replace these. You know, there were a few that that worked, but there were a bunch that didn't. <laughs> right. And it, because you can't control everything. But I started to pay attention and thinking, well, that was a dumb idea. Right. <laughs> What, why are they failing? You know, let's, let's figure that out so that 
what we're really doing is we're slowing the decline of the individual over time, right? Now, how do I slow their decline to the lowest rate possible? And if you pay attention to the outcome and you learn from the failures, they don't have to be catastrophic failures, but why do they keep chipping this? Why does this, why, why does this happen? Then you start to look deeper and deeper and you really start to pay attention to really what are the fundamental issues that, that, that are, are going on here that you really can become a great diagnostician and really help them become healthier, not just fix their teeth. Yeah. I love what you're saying too, Jim. That's a learning piece that all of us have to go through. I mean, ultimately all of this fails at some point. Mm -hmm. And if some of it makes the long haul, great. You're going to fail at some point, but using that failure. And I, the podcast before this, you know, interviewing your partner, Bill, he's like, my favorite lecture now is my failures. I started with a few and now I've got so many of them. And as you learn from these failures, you start to reduce the failures or review, reduce the amount of time, you know, or, or add, you know, some longevity to it. You mitigate some risk along the way. And I think what you're really saying is just be open and learning as, as you get older, you never figure this all out. No, you got to be open. It's this, it's this journey. And you know, what you have to realize is that through every one of those failures, you're at least became a little bit better. That's the key. You know, if you can become a little bit better, then you become a little bit better diagnostician. You can become a, a better uh, historian, essentially, you know, in, in understanding the patient that you're dealing with. Uh, if, you can, if you can become um, a, a better practitioner in a sense of organizing and planning treatment in ways that make it work better, you get a little bit better. And so, and that's how you learn, really. You don't, you don't learn much from the stuff that goes real well. Right. So that's easy, you know. <laughs> I would say, you know, you can teach a nutless monkey to cut a fret if you give it enough time, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no. the differentiation, the differentiation is your thought process. You know, can you think through it, everything that you're seeing in someone's mouth? We have a great exercise, you know, that I do in the global diagnosis platform sometimes. I just put a picture of some teeth up. What do you see? You know, and and you know, and and there's sometimes there's a lot of obvious degeneration in, in these cases and sometimes there's not but if you start looking and you start picking picking it apart your brain starts thinking well, well what about this and what about that and what about that and what you said earlier was correct is that you know you have you, you notice more failures as you get older just because you're noticing them you're not blowing them off you're not just ignoring the, the fact that they happen you go well what my curious brain says why is it happening what can i do to, to change it but looking at looking at um, uh, just a picture of the mouth, sometimes a picture of some teeth, you could spend a half an hour sometimes just digging down into very subtle things that have meaning. I often tell people, look at patterns of wear. For example, you had, you had Jim McKee on not too long ago, I think too. Yeah, and Jim talks about if you got a clicking joint, you have a displaced disc. That's it. You know, at some level, it's displaced. What you have to figure out is what's the level of displacement, what's the impact of that, how is it affecting this person. Well, if, if that happens, then how does that manifest itself on the teeth? If you've got worn posterior teeth and your and the bicuspids aren't worn at all, well, why is that? You know, this isn't a chewing pattern because if it was a pattern, it would be worn everywhere. And sometimes you'll have worn anterior teeth and not worn posterior teeth. Well, why is that? Sometimes you'll have worn teeth that are really short in, in, in the posterior. Well, why is that? Well, you could have lost dimension of the joint level. So you, you have to be curious and pay attention to these outcomes and realize that 
You'll have failures. They don't have to be catastrophic failures, but just pay attention to the little nuances that happen so that you can be a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. You know, ex- excellence is improving just a little each step. I love it. You know, a lot of the people that we meet in the ACT Dental community, they have different core values. And I hear this one a lot, better today than yesterday or better tomorrow than today, which really speaks to that whole progress, not perfection. You know, remember, we're human beings working on human beings, working with human beings. And so Barrett Straub, who is my partner here, he's so good at saying, hey, listen, remember, these are all humans you know, don't expect the unexpectable, you know, all right. So it's so good. And then a big piece of this, Jim, which I love, this might be my favorite one, is that you said you really have to define what success means for you. Now, I'll tell you that one is hard because you have these pressures from what you see about success or what you feel or what you've heard. So tell me what that means. What does that mean you have to define success? Well everyone's definition is different. And, and, and I, I'm sure if this is a, uh, a cross-cultural problem, but it's very evident in dentistry to me that people try to aspire uh, to be something that, that is sometimes not achievable for them only because they're not that person. You know, I, I thought I was going to be Pete Dawson. And I'm not going to be Pete Dawson. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Pete Dawson's going to be Pete Dawson. We even, we even talk about it in terms of sometimes how we name stuff in dentistry. It's always fun because I, you know, I teach occlusion. I teach the, uh, the occlusion workshop at Spear now. I'm, I'm visiting faculty down there still. And um, I teach the occlusion workshop down there. And they go, what kind of splint do you use? And I go, I know. What's the patient's name? Well, it's Martridge. I said, I'm going to use Martridge splint. I said, you don't use a tanner? You don't use a gelb? I said, no, those, no, I don't know what those are. You know, because it's all fluid. You know, I'm going to use, Mar- I'm going to make Marjorie a splint that's Marjorie's, you know, that's right for her. That's what I'm going to use. But we, we tend to, you know, to focus on, oh, we got to be like this, or if we use this, and we're going to be like this person, then that defines success. Or, you know, I've got to, I've got to be able to do two million a year uh, right now, or I've got to do, you know, th- th- these, these things that are just, sometimes are, are ridiculous um, and, and, uh, and, and create enormous amounts of pressure on people that it really doesn't have to be that way. If you can't enjoy the ride, then you know, something's going, so you need to step back and say, you know, what am I doing here? And is it really fit, fitting with my core values? And how do I define success for me? You know, some right. people define, define it in terms of monetary gain. And certainly we have to have a successful, profitable practice, you know, to, to have that comfort and be able to provide for our families and provide for ourselves. Some people would define it as more freedom. Some will define it as, um, you know, the ability to help others, the ability mm-hmm. to give back. It's all yeah. their why. Your why is, if you determine your why, then your success can be a, a, you know, a, an outcome of the why, not the opposite way around. Yeah. There's one saying that, said that really sticks with me, too. And I, I don't know where I heard it. They said, if you're always focused on the means, you're going to miss out on the mean. So if you're always focused on the means to get to, you know, 100000 a month, 150000 whatever it is, and you're always focused on the dollars, you're always focused on the profit, you're always focused on the, on the production, um, you miss out on the meaning of it. 
What's the yeah. meaning? What brings meaning and joy to you? You know, again, write the book you want to write, not the crap that has to sell. And anyone can do that. I mean, if, if with enough intention, anyone can do that. And I say that because I believe that whatever your definition of success is, whatever you define it, it always takes three things. It always takes hard work, some luck, and some talent. In that order, right? In that order. Explain right. that. Yeah, because without the hard work, nothing happens, right? right. You know, <laughs> I, I love, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little controversial here, but I love people say, oh, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Bullshit. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, that's just crap. It's hard work. You know, it's right. hard enough and, and doing the things you need to do and going, taking the CE you need to take and, and changing your curriculum and changing your mindset and changing your protocol mindset first, obviously, to do something that's extraordinary, do something that's different, do something that's that's rewarding for you in terms of your values. So don't think it's going to be just all fun games. That's 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 irrational. It doesn't happen that way. Anything we're doing takes hard work. It takes the you know the the ability to absorb that failure we talked about and learn from it and move to the next level. And it, take, it takes some luck. You know, sometimes you know things just fall together in in the right place at the right time. But that doesn't really happen unless you're putting yourself out there. If you're not in the game. You're not going to get those opportunities where that opportunity, where those opportunities meet your 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 uh, development that's that's lucky enough to kind of take you. To the same. If I didn't if I didn't go and bug Pete Pete Dawson, you know, it was it was lucky that I met him, right? And right. If, I, if I didn't go and put myself there and put myself in his courses and put myself in his workshops and 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 really challenge him on his thinking too. Um, I wouldn't have had that luck to, to be able to around to be around him. Have yeah. Lucky turns of that. Luck isn't luck is some kind of hour, but it takes some luck. You know, you sometimes you're you're in the right place at the right time and it all works out. You know? Yeah. Sometimes the world just gives the benefit of the doubt to the person who's showing up regularly. So Absolutely. you showing up in those courses, I mean, showing up at any of them and being up front, heck, yeah. being early to any yeah. course, shaking somebody's hand, writing a letter. You know, writing a letter was always like my way to say, hey, thank you. Number one. Number two, I was there. I was paying attention. Right. And many speakers, I won't mention who they were, but if you listen, to the I would actually write notes, type them up and send them to them saying, hey, listen, I was paying attention. I'm not one of those people who's like right. trying to glean. I I have a couple questions and they'd be like, whoa, you you heard that in my lecture. And I heard. But here's my point. You get lucky by doing that. You get the benefit of the doubt. And these people know other people who go, you know what? You have to meet my friend. My friend would really enjoy the conversation with you. And it, it's, it, it saves you so much time. Other things that happen with what you're talking about, that hard work of showing up. Yes, it is hard to get on a plane, go away. Yes, it is hard to spend the money and do it. Yes, it is hard to do it. But when you're doing it, like you do get luckier, you sit next to somebody in one of these courses and they go, Hey, I got a form for that. I've been using it. And they give it to you and you're like, Oh my gosh, I've been working on this for 10 years. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, so you can yeah. call that whatever you want, but that's not something I would ever figure out myself. That was, I got lucky sitting next to somebody because you're in the arena. Absolutely. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all those, those serendipitous activities that, that, you know, that all of a sudden you realize that there's a, 
there's a power in here. There's an energy in here. There's an energy in the universe that you're tapping into. And I think that's kind of what we, we think about in terms of luck. It's, it's when those energies kind of coalesce. I mean, we're all just bundles of energy. That's basically what we are, right? And so, you know, I, I, if you put it out there, then these opportunities are going to present themselves. And then, then, they, then when they do, you, you have to try to be aware of them and take advantage of them and, and go back and do the hard work it takes, like you were saying, to take advantage of them, right, right. to somebody. You know, the, the great thing about a bit, being a teacher uh, is, and I learned uh, from other teachers, great teachers are the ones who recognize something in you that you don't see in yourself necessarily. And I was the recipient of that. And so now I try to be the purveyor of that. But I'm the purveyor of that to the people who really want to learn, right. who really are taking an active role. And we see that on our global diagnosis platform. We've got some rock star people on there, some of which you're going to be interviewing. And yes. to watch them develop, I mean, it's just remarkable. But it was the same thing I did, you know, right? I mean, it was the same thing you did is put yourself in that position. Talent is important. I mean, if you're, I would never dunk a basketball like a, like a, college, like a college player or an NBA player. There's no way I could do that only on a ladder. You know, so, so it's, there, are, there are things that require some level of talent. But in dentistry, you can develop talent. Right. You really can. Yes. Now, you've got to realize also that everyone has gifts and strengths and, and you know, and, and certain subsets of, of, of strengths that they have that are unique to them. I'm a, I'm a, a big picture guy. I'm a philosophical thinker. So, so I like, you know, my, my, my talent is to kind of put big things together and put the ideas together and try to make them all merge and to, help people see the connections in between things. You know, Bill is more of a, of an organization guy and a step line. So, so, you know, I think of the idea and I throw it out there and I go, you people figure out how to do it. Right. Right. Do you know anybody like that? (laughs) Uh, What are you, what are you saying? I don't know what you're saying. Yes, I do. Very much so. So we need, we need the people around us to, you know, to make our talent work, but everybody has, everybody has their own innate talent, but you can develop that. You know, if you don't have a talent in something, if you if you're you're self-aware, then you can develop those sort of things. And you know, and and that's an important thing as well. I mean, you've got it. That self-awareness is really important to realize. You know, this is who I am. Um, this is where I want where I want my life to look like. How I want to how I want to manifest it. What do I want them to say at the eulogy? You know, right. nobody at my eulogy. I don't want anybody saying my eulogy. Oh, he did a million dollars in you know nineteen eighty, and he did two million. No, that doesn't matter. He made right. a difference in somebody's life. He helped somebody learn something. He helped somebody move to the next level. He made the profession a little bit better by teaching these other people along the way. And that's what that's what really matters. Because what are you doing every day to get out of your own head and help somebody else? Because if you're helping somebody else and you're helping somebody else grow and develop, you can't be in your own head. And that's yep. where we get in trouble when we're in our own head. <laughs> it creates it creates a lot of significance and good feeling when you leave it better than you found it. So, Absolutely. Jim, I want you to talk about how, I mean, you're truly an example of somebody who's giving back and doing that. And I want you to talk about global diagnosis and the symposium coming up. But before we do that, um, any last thoughts you have on everything works until it doesn't? Well, I think it's it's important just to keep that in the back of your mind. You know that 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 it's it's truly is one of those it's one of those truisms that 
that um, you know that we all have to to manifest you know in, in our own mindset that you know always don't try to hit the target perfectly every time just keep aiming and keep trying and push through there are times even this week i had to push through some stuff that was tough emotionally coming to the end of clinical practice right if i'm going to teach i'm going to consult so i'll be active but coming to the end of that journey it's the appropriate time don't get me wrong but it's it's an emotional struggle but you got to push through there's there are bigger things ahead there are better things ahead for everyone and and so you you've got to just stay focused work through the the difficult times take it easy on yourself yeah. i love it love it and jim you don't, got don't, don't shoot don't shoot on yourself like i should don't be, shoot on yourself should be making this you know yeah don't yeah and now you guys have heard me say this but i love these guys um jim Otten and bill robbins have created something very special but it's gone bigger than you you know more significant than you it's called global diagnosis education can you talk about that what is sure. it so you know global the global diagnosis uh, um, uh, protocol is a, a way that Bill Robbins and Jeff Rouse created to simplify the restorative uh, interdisciplinary restorative technique and treatment plan and 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 Bill has done a remarkable job of carrying that forward it's all based on facially generated treatment plan, you know, Panky Dawson philosophy, Coy's philosophy, all that stuff is built, you know, it's all built on the same similar uh, principles that all of those great teachers have taught us over the years, but it simplifies the complex. I've added and, and added more of the occlusion and airway components to it to try to simplify that thought process as well. But that's the technical part. The really cool part is the mentorship part. So when we started doing this, we thought, oh, everybody needs all this information. They don't need the information as much as they just need the support and somebody to say, hey, I'm there. I got you back. I got you on this. And so there's there's not a day that goes by that I don't get a text or a call from somebody that says, hey, can you help me with this? And the answer is always yes. We yeah. certainly because it doesn't. And these are all people. Most of the people on the platform, interestingly enough, have been to many of these institutions. But they, they, they come here to get the continuum of feedback and that continuum of, of support that's necessary to help them implement in their practice. Because you're not implementing, it's just, it's all, it's all just entertainment. So I'm so, just so lucky to have Bill as a partner. We have a great time together. You know, he's, he's just one of the best people on the planet, you know, and you couldn't have a better business partner and a better partner to work with to help move these people forward. And now we're creating, you know, great. We're, we're seeing people develop as teachers and lecturers and going to be the new, some new leaders in dentistry. So it's, it's super exciting, you know, and being able to te- team up with some of the people you work with and you're helping them implement the stuff into their practice. There. It's just been, it's just been awesome. So I'm going to miss clinical dentistry to some degree and then some degree I'm not, you know, this, yeah. this, this is, this well, is fine. I'll say this because I have intimate knowledge. Uh, you guys are incredible clinicians, some of the best in the world, but even yeah. better human beings. So if you're looking for an opportunity and we hear this all the time, I can't find a mentor. You know, there's no mentors out there. There are some mentors right here, right in front of you. All you got to do is show up. Show up. And uh, it's amazing uh, how they'll care for you. I know you'll put it in the the show notes and everything too, but if you, if they'll, if if they want, if they're interested in joining you, write to us and and at uh, global diagnosis, global diagnosis info at gmail.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Do that if and and uh, if you're interested in, in learning more about it, I'm happy to answer questions. 
Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you put podcast in the, in the subject line, we'll give you a discount on signing up even just to, just to help you get in the door. Awesome. So just to, just to give you a little incentive to, to take action, but take action. That's the, that's the most important thing. And yep. Take action, do something. Don't just talk about it. Do it. I mean, yep. uh, too many time, times people spend, 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 spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on education that they don't implement. Right. Put, put yeah. It and you guys all. You guys also have the symposium coming up. Talk right. about the Global Diagnosis Symposium. What is it? Well, this is a, a chance where we all you know most of global diagnosis education is online, and it's 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 fun because we're trying to build community online, which is which is great. You, you guys have done this too, and you've been the, the, uh, a wonderful example of how to do it. Um, but we get together once a year in Milwaukee at at Act World Headquarters, and uh, and and we we uh, put on a symposium mostly about relationships, and it's some about dentistry, but mostly about relationships. So we take this kind of topic we're talking about today. We talk about the emotional and behavioral components of dentistry and how important that is. And this year, Josh Austin's going to be there. And Josh is a wonderful speaker on the behavioral aspects and the emotional components and the difficulties we all struggle with. You know, sometimes going through these, these, these um, feelings of depression and anxiety. He's been through it. I've been through it. Everybody's been through it. Yep. Everybody that you think is the most stable dentist on the planet. Nope. It's, if they say they hadn't been through it, they're lying or they're totally self-unaware. Right. <laughs> Everybody's been through it. And so if we, but we, if we talk about these things and we talk about it openly, then we can help each other, you know, support through it. And we do it on the platform as well. But Josh is going to be there. He's going to talk about a lot of that. He's also going to talk about implementing digital dentistry. He's a smart young guy, boy. I wish I was as smart as he was when I was, when I was his age, if he is. Um, and then you're going to speak. And then and Bill and I are going to speak as well just to, to kind of keep everything, you know, wrap it all up together. It's an exciting time. A couple of days in Milwaukee. We had a blast last year. Everybody was there, loved it. Have some great, we're going to have a great dinner out, some, some receptions. So if, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get the information out to everybody, but uh, come, show up. Here's Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to encourage you. If you're listening, you got to show up. It's awesome. And uh, just like we've always done, the notes for this particular podcast, everything that we've shared and Jim shared, you're going to see those in the notes. So if you're not taking notes, this is our jam around here. We take notes for you. Yep. You can flip up to the show notes and you're going to see uh, links to everything that Jim has shared, not only Global Diagnosis, um, we're also going to put a link in there for global diagnosis symposium. Uh, and I'm going to highly encourage you check it out. So Jim, thanks for being on brother. Hey, thanks for having me. It, it just made my day. It really did. Well, As usual. Uh, well, we're going to do a lot of this and you're going to take me on one of those food and wine trips to Italy that you oh, guys oh, go on. Yeah. We didn't cover that in the, in, in the, in the, the content here, but we will another time. <laughs> we're going to save that for another time because you guys know how to craft an incredible experience. So well, we, you know, we did it in our practice for so many years and, 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 but do it throughout your whole life, you know, craft a great experience, not only in your practice, but in your life as well. Enjoy awesome. the ride, you know, right. Okay. Absolutely. Well, stick around, my friend, and to, so we uh, can say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, just keep doing us a favor. As a lot of you are, just share this with your friends uh, because we're going to keep bringing it. Great educators with great information to help you create a better practice and a better life. So until you guys see us next time or we hear from you next time, keep watching or keep listening 
to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.